Hey guys, welcome to Stock Talk. As always, it's Trevor Kirkpatrick alongside Corey Edge. And today we have a good friend on our show, uh, Jordan Marks and his dad, Mel Marks. Uh, little do people know, he is one of the founding fathers of High Noon Feeds. So if you've got a bag of High Noon Feed in your barn, uh, you're going to want to listen to this conversation. And if you don't, you're still going to want to listen. Uh, yeah, because uh, I don't have a bag of High Noon Feed in my barn. And uh, this is quite interesting. Um, nor do I have a, a sheep in any barn that I've been in other than high school days. Uh, Mel is in sh- extremely interesting, and, and so is Jordan. And they're very passionate at what they do. So stick in, uh, stick stick around, I guess I should say, for the conversation with those guys. But before we jump into them, uh, we have some quick announcements. Uh, Corey, if you want to jump into our announcements. Okay. Announcement numero uno. This is our second to last episode before Expo. Just kidding. We're not We're not quitting on you guys. I mean, we've been doing this thing now for four or five months now, Trevor. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, so... Um, Find us at the exposition. We're super pumped. We got a lot of stuff going on. If you haven't heard what we're doing, go back and listen to the last couple episodes. We kind of highlight some of that stuff. Um, if you or somebody you know wants to wants to find us there, uh, you know, be a part of the show. Shoot us a message on Facebook. We're going to be posting some stuff too this week that might highlight some of that and what we're what we've got planned and going on there. Then big things going on. Uh, with Walton Webcasting. Also, Trevor, what are they doing this weekend? They are going to be at the IJSC show in Whitley County, their Memorial Classic that they're holding. And also, the day before, they're going to be live streaming the Junior America Board Goat Association show. Uh, so, multi-species weekend for those guys. Uh, make sure you subscribe to make sure you can go back and uh, look at your quote-unquote game clips uh, all you got to do is just type in waltonwebcasting.com and subscribe to their past events. And, of course, don't forget about Stock Center TV. Uh, very, very educational, informational, and very fun to watch some of the, the episodes that they have on there. Livestock Legends is something they're they're kind of new with and looking forward to seeing uh, some of the future things there. In the know, day in the life, uh, you've guys heard it before Make sure you jump on their website and their Facebook and, and social media pages. Uh, they've got a lot of cool stuff. So if you can't make it to any of these shows this coming weekend, uh, make sure you jump on the live stream and subscribe so you can get into their archives and go about it that way. Absolutely. So uh, those, I think, are our announcements. That's it. That was it. That was it. It was pretty short and sweet. So, uh, yeah, definitely not our last episode. We have been rolling. Uh, this is week 18, uh, episode number 18, not counting the double zero or the zero. So yeah. that just goes to show you yeah, uh, how long we've been doing this. So I will say, really, folks, uh, don't forget we are going to launch our merchandise store pretty damn soon. Uh-huh. So you're going to be pumped when you see all that. And we're excited to get all of that stuff in. Um, and if, even if you're not a pig person, meet us there at World Pork Expo, like Corey said, or I guess it's the exposition now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the, it's just the expo. How about that? It's the, it's the expo at Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, we're going to have a live episode and, uh, drink a few and have a great time. So, uh, meet us out there the first week of June. Uh, that'll be awesome. Also, we need more topics and social smashes. Sure do. Um, 
There are people just kind of stopped on that. Even if you've done it before, you got to have more than one, folks. So keep sending those in, um, and we will keep rolling forward. But without further ado, folks, you're going to like this one. Please welcome Mark's Genetics, Mel and Jordan Marks. Corey, today I stepped outside of my comfort zone stepped out of the pig barn, and jumped right into a flock of sheep. We are here with Mark's Genetics, the men behind the business, Mel Marks, and my good old buddy, Jordan Marks. So, hey, thanks for having me here at the farm. Uh, it's been uh, fun to go out there and sort through some some ships. So, uh, But we are excited to, to have some conversation with uh, many things involving sheep and hiding feeds, but anyway, let's jump right into it, Corey, and uh, I'm excited to, to to get rolling on this one. About time we talked ovine again. Yes, that's exactly right. So, uh, Mel, Jordan, whoever wants to lead off, explain, like, what is the Mark's genetics and your, your flock size and kind of what you do around here? Well, um, appreciate you guys having us on. Um, you know, I, I'm glad that... Uh, our sheep are good enough for even you to see Trevor, uh, so that you even like some of them out there. So uh, that that makes me feel good. Well, you got some uh, that even a pig guy can see. Oh, that's that's kind of what we say around here. So so good a pig guy can see. Just kidding. Um, so uh, no, uh, we got currently around a thirty head you uh, you base. Um, you know we reside here in Bakins, Ohio. Um, that's where we've been. Uh, we're actually on the family farm. Uh, here, uh, I've been born and raised here. My dad was born and raised here, um, since they settled from Germany. So a lot of history behind this place. Uh, dad's been raising sheep for, I guess we've been what, 40 years, 45, 72. And I raised commercial sheep for them. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, so we, we've been around a while. Um, you know, dad can dive deeper into the, before I was <laughs> a uh, blip on the radar, but, uh, dad's, Dad's had a lot of success uh, in the industry uh, for a long time. Our family's uh, been very fortunate. I was about, I was about to say, uh, I was about to say, BJ. You know, before Jordan, but then I realized <laughs> what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, uh, probably, probably, I need sure. to let that one go, big guy. So, Mel, how did how did it start, or did you just take a four H project and it got out of no, hand? Or? Well, uh, not really. Um, Actually, I was not heavily involved with 4-H whenever I was a kid, um, but I did like, I was actually going to get into cattle, huh. and um, we, uh, we don't have a big enough farm here to really uh, put on 100, 200 head of cows, so I decided that uh, we had been raising commercial sheep, my father had, and at that time we raised uh Quarry Dales and would cross them over with Suffolk Grams. Uh, back then, um, there was good price in lambs, but there was also good price in wool. Uh, I'm no different than what you guys are when you know you got a you get to be 19 years old. Uh, I was actually going to go to vet school. Um, decided uh, my father passed away when he I was about 18 and. Uh, we had a commercial flock here, and I knew at that time I was not going to stay into the commercial sheep. Uh, didn't like, uh, I wanted more challenge than that. Um, had been following, I 
no different than any other kid in Ohio. Went to the Ohio State Fair every year. Like to watch Lamb Show. Uh, back then, we had a um, what they would call a clip five head commercial lambs and clip five or ten head commercial lamb, and they were actually in competition. Uh, after the main show was over, the junior show, and, of course, the open show. The open show back then was the big show. It wasn't the junior show. Um, so one year uh, I went over there, and uh, the champion pen of five clips happened to be U-Lambs. Uh, I like what i seen. They were Suffolk U-Lambs. They were out of Canada, and uh, I bought them after the sale. Took them home, and that's kind of how I got started uh, with the so-called, you know, Club Lamb deal. It wasn't that then. It was just basically Club Lamb projects. Uh, was nothing more than that. Uh, probably after a couple years, I started seeking out different flocks in the United States. Um, it's no different than today. Probably looking for muscle. Um, what were some of those flocks that you, you came across? Well, uh, that's what I was going to say. Um, there was a there was a flock out in Medicine Lodge, Kansas, called Stonemark, and uh, they had a lot of European genetics over there, uh, which they were mainly a lot of them was from Europe. A lot of muscle, uh, you know. Believe it or not, in the Suffolk breed, we had good bone, we had good foot size. Um, you know, and so I sought after probably trying to get something out of that flock there to come back on what I was doing there. I got a few more sheep out of Canada because, uh, believe it or not, even back then, I was looking for more of a moderate size sheep, um, probably trying to get as much muscle in them as possible. And you have to understand another thing back then as well. Um, carcass merit meant a, a lot. There was a lot of carcass shows around the United States. So we was looking for something that had Moinai size in them. Um, you know, and we certainly wanted uh, leg size as well. You know, we wanted that 3.2 Moinai back then. We wanted a 15 leg score, which is up the top of the line on the leg and uh, there on carcass merit. Um so anyways, that's kind of what I was trying to do here. Um, probably it was about 1977. Uh, I was just a dumb kid, but uh, was trying to do what I could to try to raise as good a lambs for the show ring as possible. Um, there was an older gentleman that uh, left me. There was one of the first uh, club lamb sales in not only in the United States, but certainly in Ohio. Um, he did not have enough lambs to put in the sale, so he invited me in. I had about 19 head. I got a ram from uh, that went back to everything that this flock, this Stonemark flock, had done uh, out there in Medicine Lodge. Um, back then, I think I averaged around $650 a head on my lambs in that wow, sale. That's that pretty kind of, good. That, that kind of set me off because I would just like to do that now. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got, uh, got to know a lot of people, uh, from Texas. There was Texas people in there. And back then you have to understand 
they did not raise, they shed a lot down there. Uh, back then, Houston was even up to 6,000 head of lambs down there, but most of them came out of the north, Iowa, Ohio, Illinois especially. And um, so there was guys in there from Texas and Oklahoma, a lot of ag teachers used to come up in this part of the world uh, looking for pigs and lambs. Um, so I got introduced to a lot of people that way there. That kind of set me off, and uh, we just kept concentrating on what we needed to do. Back then, of course, naturally, Suffolk's were the big breed. Um, I escalated the flock up probably by 1983 to probably around 125, 130 head. Um, And we were selling lambs not only in Oklahoma and Texas, but California and Colorado and Nebraska. And this was mid-70s, you said? No, 80s. 80s. Early 80s. 77 is when we had our, when I was in my first sale. Your first sale, wow. So I started a sale myself. We had eight sales. Um, <clears throat> from that point on, we had terrific crowds. Um, we would get people in there here from like 20 different states. and. Um, it was, uh, and so I went up and I put a few more ewes on my flock program there, and we went up to about 145 head. Um, at that particular time, I was not only raising the sheep, I was in, I was trying to run a full-time uh, construction business as well. Wow. So uh, do you remember any of the genetics of, of those old sheep? I mean, some of the guys listening may chime in on some of those old genetics. Well, yeah, I mean, but you have to understand one thing. At that particular time, and this is the transformation that took place. Actually, I had Hampshire sheep along with my Suffolk sheep in the very beginning. And I'll be honest with you, the biggest reason that I got out of the Hamp sheep is because we was having uh, issues, the same issues that we still have somewhat today. <laughs> uh, they were uh, they were really stubborn sheep. They did not work as well as the Suffolk sheep. They weren't near as good of milkers. They weren't near as good of lammers. Uh, and when you're running, you know, even that many head, um, and with me being heavily involved in construction, I didn't have time to be uh, messing with ewes that did not want to uh, be good mothers, uh, good milkers, and that sort of thing. So uh, the ham sheep kind of left. And not only that, the Suffolk sheep were the hot ticket at that time. And so we just really honked onto the Suffolk sheep, uh, started selling a lot of breeding sheep throughout the country. People were wanting to come in here and get a lot of ewe lambs every year, um, ram lambs. Um, and I, I think probably by the mid eighties to 87, we had, I think, uh, lambs that went on to win two national shows, um, Houston and, uh, Exarbon. And, wow. uh, so, you know, we were cooking along real good. Um, but, you know, it was just a matter of uh, continually working on my sounder genetics, which I probably done a lot of line breeding, um, in some cases inbreeding, uh, which worked really good for me. Uh, then uh, it got down to a point to where 
I did not have a lot of time for the family uh, because I was so consumed with people being here all the time wanting uh, club lambs. And so I decided that I would go solely into just raising rams uh, for breeding and um, use for as well to uh, make other people's fox better. So that's kind of, it was a good time for me to cut back in the flock. So I cut back to about 65, 70 head. And um, that was very, very successful for quite a few years. So yeah, anyway, what I hear from Jordy, that was, that was kind of the, the keystone to what gets you kicked off. I well, mean, I was working with flocks uh, directly that was solely using my genetics, you know, from Oklahoma to Texas, um, Kansas, uh, Colorado. Um, and what was really good about that is because um, I would let them share. That was before the AI period. And, of course, naturally, I'd let them share with Rams and, and, and that sort of thing. And it was uh, a good situation for me because it broadened my genetic base to the point to where I could pull rams out of some of those flocks and bring them actually back to what I was doing and uh, just keep uh, revolving the door on my program. And those, I mean, and those genetics were obviously winning. I mean, especially some of your. um, Well, yeah, they were winning. We had, uh, we had two flocks down in Oklahoma at that particular time that not only what I was doing with my uh, genetics here at home, but they were going out, um, you know, the one, well, there was actually three and the one program won every major in the United States uh, one year. Plus he also won. Yeah. That was Mike and he won from, yeah. And uh, from Covington, Oklahoma. And he also won five state fairs. We had another flock down there. Uh, J.B. Massey and Rick Beard, uh, they went out and they won the American Royal. They also won uh, Denver that year, and they also won the Cow Palace. And uh, so we we was uh, cooking along pretty good uh, with some of the flocks that I was working with real close. And uh, then, you know, uh, there was a time there that I decided that uh, wanted to get involved with uh, my first son. Adam came along and uh, kind of wanted to start showing lambs and uh, see if I could possibly prove a little bit there. And uh, that worked out pretty good through the years, uh, right on up to the time of my second son, Jordan, that's sitting here beside me tonight. And, um, it was real good. The bad part about the whole thing is when Jordan came along. That's well, <laughs> that was it, wasn't, it wasn't Jordan yeah. come along. What happened was as we went through, which we'll get into that later, uh, we went through some transformations in the type of sheep that we were looking for when Adam was showing. Of course, we had the program that uh, was highly desired, which was more the Suffolk crossbreed type sheep and through that duration of time, you know, uh, we ourselves, we won Louisville three times. We won Kansas City once. We won the Ohio State Fair two times, had reserve there, and won champion in the open class. So uh, we done real well. Mm, I would say. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I'm not bragging about that, but it was one of those things to where that kind of leads us in probably to 
how I got involved with the high noon feed and that sort of thing. But uh, anyways, we'll we'll answer those questions and talk yeah. about that a little bit later. Yeah, Corey, if you wanted to, to kind of tee off, that's a good segue. Uh, we can jump right into that topic. Yeah, before that, real quick, uh, Mel, I, I love hanging out at your guys' place and the the trophy case I noticed that I that I walk in there and see is is the the Dorset Market Lamb trophies. I mean, talk a little bit about some of that and and because that, that was probably some of the early on stages of when you know the Dorsets were maybe becoming a little bit more popular. And I sure as heck say they they're getting that way now too. Yeah, and you know uh, when we were uh, we we worked with some of the off breeds, we actually. Uh, uh, we had uh, we worked with an uh, an older gentleman, which was a very established uh, Southdown breeder down in uh, Oklahoma during Howard. And uh, I don't know. We pulled, I think, probably three different weathers out of there, and we had champion uh, every time with them at the Ohio State Fair. But the the Dorset deal, uh, we worked with Dwayne Hurleman down there in Oklahoma because we didn't raise Dorsets or we didn't raise Southdowns, and. Uh, at that time there, um, the Dorsets, that was nothing more. The Dorsets in the South Down was nothing more than to put pressure on me and make me go nuts because they feed different than blacks. <laughs> and uh, so we had to make them right. And, and, you know, that a lot of these guys talk about feeding fall lambs. Those lambs there were all, you know, October lambs, the, the Dorsets and the, and the South Down. So... We had to get them in, and we had to hold them for a period of time and then bring them back that they were competitive come July uh, mm -hmm. at the Ohio State Fair. So That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead, Jordan. No, I was just going to say, yeah, we uh, that was that was kind of a fun time there, right, uh, when we uh, – I think we had three or so champion uh, doors there at State Fair, and I had that one, and – Dwayne always was just really great to work with on those, and uh, yeah, well, that was those, so were, was high school, those were fun. Middle school years, or uh, that was oh, when I got the uh, let's see, I won that Dorset breed in 05. That was my first. That was my first breed. That <laughs> that actually uh, that was the first lamb I really had to lose. Uh, I think I was like maybe like I don't know fourth grade, fifth grade, somewhere in there, and uh, uh, I actually um, was really pissed about winning because <laughs> I. I immediately got the handshake and was like oh shit i've got a he's got a dime yeah, now he's gone and, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I, I couldn't i couldn't look at the couldn't look at the trophy for like two days and then i got the check and i was like all right this is all right so it's kind of kind of broke the broke the shell there so. yeah so so those of you that are listening and and maybe aren't uh sheep savvy or involved in the the sheep or cattle business, uh, maybe some for more of our pig friends out there. Um, you know, Mel Marks was one of the founders and 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 key people in developing high noon feeds. So uh, that part of the conversation, I'm super interested about. You know, I, I've had several conversations with both Jordan and Mel about this, but um, you know, Mel, how did how did high noon start? Um, and, and why in the world would you want to dive into the show feed business? <laughs> well, it wasn't really a hard decision to make because it's no different than you or Trevor sitting across from me. He's fed a lot of pigs already. Um, I know you've done some feeding of your own. 
My biggest thing with High Noon Feeds, I actually was involved with another feed company that I helped start up here in the state of Ohio. And uh, at that, there was a crossroads junction at one particular time. Don't want to get into the details on that, but uh, um, I had to make a decision. Um, I was in partnership with another gentleman and... um, he only wanted to take that particular company so far. I wanted to probably, as much as anything, get on the edges a little bit more, make this feed as much on the edge. And what I mean by the edge as far as leading uh, and the best feed that we possibly could put in the bucket. Um, probably you wonder why uh, I wanted to start High Noon Feed. Uh, the biggest reason was is because – I'm not going to lie to you. I just did not trust most people's feed back whenever uh, most of the feed I ever fed uh, to our show lambs was what I came up with myself. And Mm -hmm. uh, when this, uh, I mean, it's no different whether it's pigs or cattle or sheep or goats or whatever it is, uh, you're not going to get great response from any feed unless you got the best the best things in that feed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was my biggest issue. I could not find feed companies, uh, closest feed company that I came to at that particular time, which would have been back probably in the late eighties, uh, was probably Showmaster. Um, and, uh, they made some decent feeds. The problem is, is a consistency problem. And, uh, there again, you know, that today with feed and it's probably, more so in the that is one really good positive thing about the feeds today. Uh, if you don't have consistency in your feed, uh, if it's not fresh and if it's not, uh, like I say, consistently in the formulation, uh, you're going to drop them because when you've got mm-hmm. a set of uh, really and especially today with what projects cost. Uh, of all species, uh, you, <laughs> you got enough issues going on. You don't need bad feed. You don't need inconsistency <laughs> in that feed. You don't need problems there. And that was my biggest issue. So it wasn't hard for me to say, hey, we'll make feed. If somebody wants to follow, that's great. The big thing, too, is, is that I ran into with a lot of the feed companies is they would cost effect. And uh, you can't do that if you want a really good, consistent show feed. And uh, – I did not want it jigged around. Uh, I wanted the same uh, uh, products in there every time. Uh, I wanted to make as good as we possibly could make it, and I wanted it to be that way twelve months out of the year. Absolutely. So, so who? Go ahead, Corey. I was just going to say, who else was involved in? Uh, well, when, you when first- I got involved in, I was, I was, I was the guy that set it up. I was the guy that came up with. Uh, I'll never forget. Uh, I was really torn trying to decide of a name for the feed company. And I know exactly where I was at that particular day that it just dawned on me, you know, high noon, you know, 12 o'clock. I knew I could build on that. I knew I could possibly build even a somewhat Western theme, which I was heavily involved with a lot of folks out West. uh, And I knew that they would eat that up. You got to be real careful when you start trying to, especially being on the small end of trying to push your feed west, if you don't, you know, my my feelings of anybody that I've ever been involved with, I've got a lot of good friends down the south, 
and out through the West. And, um, you know, I like to try to, um, make them feel good about feeding, uh, the feed. And that was one of the biggest reasons I came up with the name high noon. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was it. And then that's how we built on that. Uh, I had a gentleman out there in Bird City, Kansas, that actually used to work for a big, big company, and he, I, I knew him for many, many years, uh, Nick Ketzner, and uh, he wanted to start something out there in that particular area, uh, along with what I was doing here. We did get some involvement by several other people. Um, put money up to get this company started most of those people it's just pretty much just a couple of us now uh left um it's you and nick and then and mike egbert here in ohio and uh um worked with uh our nutritionist out there which he would work back and forth between uh well he was a nutritionist off over in australia and, and back here in the united states he was from kansas uh kansas Dr. Bob Lee and, and, uh, I pretty well knew what I wanted to do with all the feeds. Uh, and he was really good to work with because, um, he went along with a lot of BS that I had to put to him, but then he said, <laughs> then, then he said it worked. And so it was like, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do whatever you want to do, Mel. So. so what, what is the high noon today? What, it, where are we at as far as, uh, you know, is it nationwide? Is it yeah, it's nationwide. It's nationwide. We're, we're from the East coast, the West coast. We got a gentleman out in, um, California, Pascarobos out there, Clint Cummings. And, uh, he, he works the West coast for us out there and they actually make it out there as well. Uh, we make it there at bird city, Kansas. We also make it up here, uh, in Ohio. So, um, uh, but it goes from West coast to East coast. It's pretty much all the way across the country. Spread like wildfire. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it has, and we, we've got a lot of things that we want to do yet. Um, you know, there's a lot of feed companies out there. And as you all know, I mean, uh, the big ticket is coming up with new products uh, as much as you can. Um, probably that is one place that I like to come out with new products. I guess I'm a little different than some people. There's a lot of products out there that, you know, cost a lot of money and a lot of them don't work. Some of them do, some of them don't. I guess I like I like to make sure that we got these products tested out pretty well. We've got several new products coming out this next year um, on the goat side and as well as sheep side. Um, you know, as far as this, the, uh, as far as the hogs, um, you know, you've got companies out there that you got ADM and you, you, you got all these companies that, put a lot of emphasis on the hog deal. We've got several hog feed, feeds that we know work really well. Uh, as far as sinking in with the hog deal, uh, we're probably not going to do that. We're probably going to be more with the ruminant in. We've got a tremendous uh, cattle following, especially out in west of the Mississippi. We've got to do a little bit more work of getting that to come back here. Last year we had champion steer at Colorado State Fair, um, Nebraska State Fair, Wyoming State Fair at champion at uh, Kansas City, um, had champion steer down to Mexico. Um, 
we had a lot of champions on the cattle end, move a lot of cattle feed out there. We put a lot of emphasis on the cattle feed. Uh, big thing with us is, is probably too, along with all the species. Uh, I am a firm believer on the right top dresses. Uh, I think there's really, really good valid top dresses out there, but I also think there's also some that, um, not so, not so much. So <laughs> just, um, some, just some fluff. Yeah, pretty much just some, so much fluff. I am kind of glad that we're getting away from uh, talking about fluff. I'm kind of glad that I know that with the, the lamb deal and I think pretty much with the hog deal um, and I think with the uh, goat deal, uh, we're not wanting just fat. Uh, we want we want some firmness uh, with that condition. Uh, we've got several products out there that that we're really happy with. It's putting on the right condition, still having somewhat of a little bit of an athletic look to them. Um, we, like I say, we're we're going to do some more work with that yet to boot here in this next year. Or so, uh, but the top dress are real important as long as, like I say, if you want people to pay for them, they got to see results. That's right. And, and, and one of those products, I mean, you know, this last year and uh, past couple of years that we've uh, that dad and, and companies came out with has been that uh, sure shot lamb creep feed. Um, you know, that's been kind of you know, we've got a couple of different things that are going to be rolling out here uh, pretty soon. So I don't but um, but like the that sure shot creep feed has really invigorated things on, on the creep side and kind of changed things for a lot of people. And we keep hearing a lot of really, really good feedback there. And, um, uh, you know, people are just really loving, loving how that product's working. So, uh, that's, that's kind of what, one of the exciting things that's been going on, but we've got some neat stuff coming down, down the pike. Well, we've got a product out in that and I want to bring it to the East, but we've had tremendous success with it. It's feed called punch and it really works great on the goats and the lambs. Uh, but it also works really good on the cattle. Um, it is a product that probably for the guys that, uh, especially with lambs and goats that want to sell probably more of a liquid type diet, you're not going to need that if you feed punch. Uh, it will um, last well for the last two years now. We've we every lamb that's won all the majors in Texas has been on punch and. Uh, you know, we're really happy with that product. We definitely want to bring it back to the east here. Uh, right now, it's available from the Mississippi West. Um, but we are really excited about bringing that back in this part of the world. Huh. That's pretty intriguing. Corey, it's not every day we get to talk to a pioneer of a of a feed company. No, and I'm just sitting here and, and listening to, you know, the names of your creep feed and, and uh, some of your other top dress stuff. And I'm just thinking, like, man my marketing brain is going to town right now and not that I want to do any free ads or anything for you guys. But, uh, you know, if you want to go to battle in the show ring, we'll see you at high noon. No, oh, there yeah. it is. There well, it is. We've had a lot of success. We really have. And we've, uh, with, with our show fees and stuff. And I appreciate you saying that. And I've always not ever, you know, there's never any reason to, brag about anything you leave your customers brag about what you've got whether it's your livestock you sell or certainly your feed and we've had a lot of that going on for Definitely. quite a few years so yeah. i'm very humbled by that 
That is awesome. Well, Corey, uh, that that was a history lesson. I wish I had a notebook with me so I could uh, be taking some notes on um, how to feed ovine. If uh, heaven forbid my future <laughs> hey, kids ever want to do that, Trevor, can you can you can you actually write words though? I mean, wow, that's that's I a mean, struggle. If you had a notebook, <laughs> would you need crayons? The, the best part about all this is it's recorded, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, your folks, ears work. Your ears work. Yeah. Well, that's true. The goodness. Mouth works better. Uh, well, we are going to seg- segue into uh, another segment that we all love called Social Smash. You are really dumb. You're so stupid and dumb. Do you even have a brain in your stupid head? I don't think that you do. All right, everybody knows what Social Smash is. We're going to open up the floor for anybody in this room or Corey, now that you're in Illinois, to uh, discuss uh, some of the pet peeves related to the livestock industry. But first, I had an anonymous listener actually called me, Corey. This is a first for Stock Talk. Oh, I like I like this. Yeah, they, they called me. They were pretty heated. So uh, uh, he calls me and says, I recently interviewed a young person for an internship that they had available and he told me that him and his dad purchased a high-dollar gilt, and this person planned to raise a boar out of this gilt, and that was going to be what put him on the map. They continued to tell the person that called me that uh, you know all the young guys who sell high-dollar boars, the luck just kind of fell into their lap. And he continues to say, young folks need to know how much work goes into raising quality livestock, and like 10 oh. exclamation marks. So, <laughs> Man, yeah. well... Uh- you talk about some of the interviews that we've already had, whether it's boars, you know, bulls or, or bucks, you, you talk about just the amount of time and energy it takes to develop a genetic line that works. And then, you know, being able to make the right mating based off previous knowledge and, and, you know, the direction you want to go and stuff. I mean, it's not every freaking day you go out and throw semen in something thinking it's going to generate the next boar. Yeah, I like, really, I honestly feel bad for the young man because he uh, he does it. He's got, under- a skewed, <laughs> he's got a skewed version of what he thinks is going to work. <laughs> That's exactly right. So with that being said, uh, Mel and Jordan, uh, I know you guys probably have many, many, many pet peeves, as many uh, on this show do. But, uh, uh, Jordan, let's open up with you. What are, what's your pet peeves that, that you have considering the, the show stock industry? All right. I'm going to be like a machine gun. I'm just going to throw it now. Um, <laughs> do, do we need a drum roll? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just, I, I can start, start throwing them out there. No, no, honestly though, I, um, yeah, I thought about this a lot. I listened to the show, uh, cause, um, you know, you actually do, you guys do a decent job. No, I, I, I thought about it a lot. I spend a lot of time on the road with my job and, uh, you know, one pet peeve for me, and I think it's one that, um, you know, it's, it's a respectful pet peeve, pet peeve is that if you're going to ask somebody, a person that you look to as a mentor for advice or, um, you know, basically, help me feed my lambs, pigs, et cetera, or help me with my program. Um, you know, if you ask me to help you, I will give you 120%. That's the kind of person I am. Uh, I'll give you everything that is rattling around up in this brain of mine. But what just drives me up a wall is when you spend a bunch of time talking to somebody 
really trying to help carve out what they're doing, help them get them on the straight and narrow. And, you know, our program's different from the next person down the streets program from the next person. You know, everybody's, everybody does things a little bit differently and there's 10 ways to, to get there. Um, but what just drives me nuts is when you really invest a lot of time and energy into somebody and then they tell you either A, you're wrong or B, they, they listen to about one of 30 things you said and then they come back to you and tell you how it didn't work and things like that. And it's like, you know, look, we don't, I'm not saying we have all the right answers or, you know, you know, there's, like I said, there's a bunch of different ways to, to get livestock to the end point that you want them to. But, you know, if you, if you're going to ask somebody that you feel is whatever of superior knowledge to you, then I guess, you know, give them the respect to actually do what they're telling you to do. And don't, you know, um, that's, that's just something that, that drives me up a wall because, you know, I think there's so many people that they pull 2% of knowledge from this guy and 2% from this guy and two, you know, a lot of chiefs for one. Oh yeah. And then, and then they have just a, a a total uh, crap shoot of a feed program and, and, you know, whatever, but you know, they're, they're trying to do too much. And uh, that's, you know, just, just, I guess my suggestion to people is find somebody you, you know, that you feel you can trust and you feel has superior knowledge get after them, do everything and more that they say, go 110% with what they tell you to do. And and if it doesn't work and you don't really feel like it was good, then, you know, then start seeking out other individuals, but give us, you know, give a program a shot before you just go jumping off board. Because I I think that's just probably something that annoys a, a lot of people out there is you, you know, you just feel like people are fishing for information from you as opposed to really wanting to do what you're, you know, what you're doing and, and wanting to emulate and, and be a part of what you're, you know, the success you're having. So that's my, uh, I'm, I am all in on that one. I think, uh, oh, wow. You, you just spoke, spoke my language there. It's frustrating. <laughs> Mel, I'm yeah. curious, what's your biggest pet peeve? Well, no, I guess I can add to that. I got a bunch of them, but we'll just stay on the field. <laughs> um, you know, probably the biggest thing is, and what I usually try to do is put it into human terms. If you're wanting to be a good basketball player, you go out and you shoot 300 shots a day. If you want to be a good baseball player, you know, you go out and, you know, work with that ball every day and on and on and on. Same thing applies. This is a sport. Uh, especially today. And, um, you know, if you're going to, but details everything. And I think probably the thing that drives me uh, really wild, and I get a lot of calls and I deal with this all the time across the United States with folks that call in and want to know, you know, about the feeds and that sort of thing there and, and what to do here and there. But detail, like I say, is everything. The little things is what counts. Having that barn picked up, having a clean, having a good, clean environment. Like I always say, if you don't want to lay down that pen, whether you got pigs or lambs or goats, uh, you you if you don't want to lay down that pen, then you're doing something wrong. It's too dirty. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, clean water and clean feed troughs. And, you know, you can't be anal enough about that stuff. If you want to have success, because that's where it all starts. That's where the roots start right there. Amen. And uh, (laughs) if you don't do that and I go back into people's places and, 
you know, they don't realize that if you do go out and look at their project and stuff like that, well, guess what? You got other things to do too. And if they're not concerned enough about that stuff after you have told them uh, a million times, this is what has to be done. Um, they're never going to have success. It just isn't going to happen. You go to your best feeders in the country, and I guarantee you that you could probably go in there and eat off their floors on the most part. Uh, That's just the way it is. And uh, you could certainly eat out of their feed troughs, uh, what they're feeding their livestock with. So that's a pet peeve of mine um, in today especially. Um, Just putting the work into it, putting the time into it, I get tired of hearing people, um, and we all have our county fair people, but we see it on the bigger shows too, of this person and this person cheating and everything. Well, what are they doing at home, and how much time are they going to put into it? Most of the people that are winning today are just flat out working. Yeah. They're, they're just yep. out flat working, the, the people that are not winning. And a lot of people today, you know, and I shouldn't say today because it was no different. I know there was a – I said I had uh, eight uh, lamb sales uh, in my time. There was a guy from Oklahoma that used to come up, <clears throat> and every year he'd buy my best lamb, and I hated it because <laughs> he would never see it through. Uh, and I knew, you know, there again, he thought that if he spent the money and bought the high-dollar individual uh, – he was going to have success. Nope. That's not the way it works. Uh, and if, uh, and then the big thing is too, uh, especially in the feeding end and it's no different than it was 25 years ago. If you're feeding, that's one thing I do like to feed about pigs. I do like to feed pigs. I, there, I probably would have liked to fed more pigs than what I had a chance to, but because the quick results that you see right away, but pay attention to what you're feeding. I mean, you know, there again, it goes back to human terms. You eat candy bars every day. Uh, what are you going to look like? Uh, Jordan, you have to <laughs> understand what a feed tag and you have to understand why you're feeding. That's probably a real pet peeve of mine because uh, a lot of people, that's fine. Feed a top dress, uh, whatever, who's ever, but are you sure it works? Uh, and if you're not sure it works, are you seeing results? Well, I don't know, but so-and-so is feeding. Uh, look at the daggone feed tag, see what kind of protein it has in it, see what kind of fat it has into it. I'm a big pusher on fiber, uh, with show life, with ruminant show livestock. Um, I like to scratch at rumen. Uh, I like to see what kind of, uh, fiber that that, uh, particular feed or whatever has in it, look at your daggone feed tags. Pay attention there. Put it on the same uh, put it on the same deal that you do whenever you yourself goes and works out in the gym and what, what are you eating every day and why are you still have a big rear end or a big stomach or whatever <laughs> and you're not paying attention. It's real yeah. simple. And, and if you don't really understand what a feed tag's like there's people out there that do. So just start Absolutely. asking questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Just ask questions, and, <laughs> and I deal with that all the time. I had a gentleman down in Texas last year. Uh, he called me back in August, and he said, Mel, he said, you know, we've never won a daggone thing. You know, we've spent a lot of money uh, on our lambs and goats, and uh, 
we've spent a lot of money trying to, to, to win. And then we went through and I said, before I waste any more of your time or you waste any more of my time, I said, let's go through your program and, you know, get the deal set straight right off the daggone bat. Um, you know, make sure those lambs or pigs or uh, goats or their lungs are healthy before you even start feeding them. Make sure that they don't have coccidia going on. Make sure that, you know, they're worm free. Make sure all that stuff's done before you even start putting any kind of feed into them. And anyways, to make a long story short, that's what we did with him. Uh, the best they ever did at their county down there in Texas was third in a show last year. He wanted, he had reserve champion and they had a lamb that won its class to Houston. So he was ecstatic about the deal. Uh, could not believe how much difference that that made. Um, he understood, and he does understand feed tags way better today than what he did then. Um, but, you know, that's probably a pet peeve of mine is just there again. Uh, it's no different. If you want to compete, then you have to you have to understand why you're getting to where you're at. And, and seeing the changes in that animal, that's one thing that probably I got a real problem with, with a lot of, there's a lot of good young people in this deal. Very, very, uh, very astute. Uh, got one sitting right across the table Aww. from me right now. Uh, and I'm serious when I say that, I appreciate uh, that. but you know, help the future is the guys your age, the girls your age, the ones that's younger, mm -hmm. make it a good experience and help them out and tell them what, you know, be constructive on what you're doing. That's your future. I mean, mm -hmm. you guys like this or you wouldn't be doing this right now. We wouldn't be having this interview right yeah. now. You love what you're doing. So uh, try to cultivate that every day. We've got some kids out there and some families out there that don't, uh, want to participate the way they should and they don't want to listen, that's fine. You can put them in file 13, but your people that are reaching out after you, and that is a pet peeve of mine. I see young people going up to some of these icons in their life. They think that they're the people they need to talk about and they don't have the time of day for them. And I guarantee you one thing, I've won enough national shows in my lifetime and people would try to patronize me a lot of times you get out of bed the same way everybody else does every day on day. You're not a special person. You are not a special person and you can help other people and the next generation. If you want this to go on, because it's been a good program for my family. Um, I know it has, and I know that you guys are the same way. It's been a great deal for you guys and lots and lots of other families out there. So let's make this a little bit more positive on whether you're showing whatever species you're showing. So that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I think that a lot of people think that they're better than what they are. And like I say, um, you need to help out more and be a little bit more astute on people that maybe don't know quite what you know. Uh -huh. Whoa. Love it. Corey, there's some good stuff right here. Hope people tune in, man. Boom. Oh, listen. I would drop my mic, but it costs too much money. <laughs> I can <laughs> see that. <laughs> all right. So, so, all right, let's switch a little bit on, on subjects. And Jordan, I'm going to direct this question towards you because I know you're, you're involved on the board of one of these programs. And, and so it's something unique that Ohio does um, is that OSIA and, and the lead program there. So tell us a little bit more about it and then how maybe could other states get involved in creating some sort of organization like that? 
Yeah, I was fortunate enough to uh, pay off enough people to get me elected on the board. Just kidding. I did not. (laughs) No, um, I I really am. I was fortunate enough to to get on the board here this last year with the uh, Ohio Sheep Improvement Association and the LEAD program, which has taken the place of the OCLA several years back, which would have been the Ohio Clubland Association. Uh, So the LEAD program here in Ohio is, is our show circuit. Um, and, uh, so I just got on there, uh, back in December and, um, you know, this program is just doing some crazy great things, um, in terms of for the youth here in our state, you know, we've, uh, I mean, without sounding too brash, uh, we feel that we are quite easily the preeminent, uh, you know, youth organization in the club lamb industry, uh, in the country in terms of what we're doing for the pigs. And, 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 you know, we say that because we are trying to emulate ourselves after other species. You know, we see the great things that the best program has done here in Ohio. Uh, we see the great things that the, the OH pig series has done here in Ohio and how, uh, how they give back to the youth, how they really, uh, center the entire program around just maximizing, uh, the kids experience, uh, throughout the year and, and, and wanting them to get excited uh, about showing livestock in general, but obviously our focus is, is sheep. And, and so, um, you know, we, I gosh, I, you know, I don't know where to, where to begin, where to end. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, this last weekend here, and I, unfortunately I wasn't able to make it to the show. Uh, but, uh, we, uh, we just kicked off our show circuit here. Um, and, uh, let's see here. I think it was down in, in London, Ohio with the, uh, the, the two and one shows day, uh, with the, with the Mark Banbury show. Uh, and, um, you know, there was a, an incredible turnout, uh, over 300 head, uh, in the first show and like 260 some in the, in the second show for, to, you know, to start the year there. And, and so, um, we've done some really great things, uh, in terms of, uh, fundraising and, and, you know, all that money goes back right to these kids. And, and so that's where really, you know, you know it's, it's earlier this week we were figuring out, you know, exactly um, where these funds are going to go in terms of how we're giving it back to, to all these kids and, and stuff like that. And then upcoming here, we've actually got our breed banner sale. Um, that'll be through uh, breeders world online sales. Um, and uh, you know, so we'll be selling off all of the, uh, breed champion and reserve, uh, banners, uh, for the, uh, market lamb junior show, um, should be somewhere around, uh, 20 or so, uh, possible banner spots and, and, and all the, all of those funds go right back into, um, you know, right back into the youth there, uh, in our premium sale. So um, for a for a junior listener or maybe their parents listening, they didn't even know a uh, club lamb series existed in Ohio. And better yet, if they're in another state, uh, what would you suggest to those young families or somebody? How do they get involved? What's the steps to take to get into this series? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, first of all, I mean, all of our names are on the website. So, you know, you can Facebook us, whatever, um, and, and get in touch with any of us. Uh, you know, we've got a I'm actually on the marketing committee. Uh, and maybe my counterparts do a little better job than, than I do in terms of just overall knowledge of the, uh, you know, I'm still learning all the, the, the nuances of the organization and, and, you know, the, the rules and regs and all that stuff. But, um, you know, 
uh, we're, we've got a very responsive Facebook page, uh, the, the, it'd be the OSIA, uh, lead program. And, um, you know, so you can look us up on Facebook, like the page messages and, and, you know, one of us will get back with you, uh, very quickly, um, and, and get you the information that you need. Uh, so reach out to us that way. Uh, but you know, we've got, um, our show schedule posted on the, uh, on the website there and, you know, just get out, go to a show. Um, we try to have everything laid out on there as concise and, you know, as, as helpful as possible. We probably spend more time, uh, at our monthly meetings talking about how we can make sure we can mitigate, uh, issues and, uh, you know, make the, make the show experience as easy and seamless as possible for the families and the kids. Um, and, and that's, that's been kind of a, a unique thing there. So, um, you know, just reach out to any of us, uh, you know, we're, we're in this, you know, to help, you know, to help kids to, to really, uh, energize the interest in our industry. Um, you know, if, if you're a young up and coming family, uh, maybe, you know, maybe next year is your first year. Um, or maybe this year was, or, or whatever. Um, we, we have a really great event to kick off the year, and it's called the No Show Lamb Show, um, where we bring in industry professionals and, and experts, and, and we really just kind of run the gamut on nutrition, showmanship, um, just general um, just general things uh, at the, uh, actually at the Ohio State University Animal Science Building. And so that's just a one-day event. Um, you know, meals and, and everything are there. Uh, and it's really just an, uh, just a really great event to kind of kick off the year. Um, you know, we have very experienced families and, and, and a lot of new families that come, um, just, you know, spend the day there, learn about what we have the, have to offer, uh, and kind of get them, you know, set in the right way, uh, you know, for the year and, and hopefully, you know, really energize them to, to be shown clublands here in the state of Ohio. You betcha. No, that's something I wanted to add because I think it's a, a very a new and, and a very good way for young young people and, and young families to get involved. So, uh, yeah, very very yeah. good. And, and and Mel Jordan, this is maybe a conversation uh, off the mic because I've got my head is you know I kind of an idea factory. Not that anything really great comes out of it sometimes, but um, you know, is it outlandish to think? that the sheep industry, you know, the club lamb industry deserves something similar to, you know, the scale of, you know, the National Junior Swine Association or or the way that these cattle shows direct their junior nationals. I mean, I know we've got, you know, the the All-American Southdown show and some of these other different um, breed association shows. But my gosh, there is there is, in my opinion, such a disconnect state by state for junior exhibitors, you know, unless they're going to a jackpot show or unless they're going to Louisville or Kansas city or Denver or something like that. And they show all over the country anyway, at the majors, like how can we not have a junior, uh, you know, junior show series that goes, you know, from, from April, May clear through, you know, Louisville and, and even through, you know what I mean? It's just, I feel like in the in the sheep industry specifically, there's not just enough people that that get out there and get to compete and and show in different areas unless you know it consumes them. There's just you got, you got to either know people 
that can help you get involved or you just kind of stay, stay within your own state? I mean, I can kind of kick off on that. I mean, I 100% agree. Um, I think, I think there needs to, you know, some good regional shows, um, would be, I think they'd be very well received. I mean, you know, as, as, uh, as dad alluded to earlier there, you know, these projects cost a lot of money and, you know, I mean, you don't want to just get them out for a couple of times. So, I mean, if, if you can get as much mileage as you can out of those, uh, out of those, uh, weathers or, or ewe lambs, uh, and, and as much visibility from the breeder side, uh, as possible. Yeah. I mean, that, that'd be great. Um, I, I wish there was, and there was kind of upstarts of one. And, and Dad, you can kind of still Stanley Powell, yeah, Stan, Stan uh, over there in Indiana, uh, and I can't remember what it was called. I apologize, but uh, uh, there was kind of an upstart of kind of a club lamb, uh, kind of a registry type of an. Uh, a, you know, NJSA, but, you know, in the club lamb industry, uh, right. kind of upstarted and, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, throw Stan under the bus or anybody under the bus. Uh, from what I know and what I remember, it just kind of, it lost steam and, and, and things like that. But, um, you know, I, gosh, you know, we dad, I remember dad and I talked about that whenever, whenever it was getting kind of coming around, you know, there was a lot of excitement to that and, and the possibilities that surrounded that. So, uh, you know, I think there's still uh, certainly uh, certainly room for that in this industry, and um, uh, you know I think I think regional shows. I mean, you think of all the club lambs that are in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, uh, Kentucky. I mean, if you just have a, a show right here, with, you know, not even counting you know Missouri and the others, don't want to count anybody out there, but in uh, Iowa, but you know, gosh, you think if you'd have regional shows like that, I mean, the numbers that would, it would draw and the people that it draw, uh, would be good. Um, and, and, and really, really good. Uh, you know, I will say the all American show and I, I've experienced that a time or two. Um, it, that is a, is a good show and they do a lot for the kids. Uh, they really focus on the, the, the junior aspect there. I don't know the, the details of that, uh, organization or that show, but I've, I've been to it a time or two and, uh, you know, they move it around every year and, you know, try to, uh, hit a different point of the country. And so that offers, you know, uh, breeders and, uh, you know, youth exhibitors alike to, uh, get kind of everywhere and, and, you know, experience different parts of the country and, you know, also allow people, breeders and, and, and youth exhibitors in different parts of the country to also participate in it uh, every so often if, uh, you know, the logistical challenges are there to, to get to them all the time. But uh, anyways, I think, yeah, I mean, that I'm, I'm 1000% on board with that, Corey, if you want to go ahead and, you know, get the groundwork laid on that. We'll, uh, <laughs> well shoot, we'll man, I'm it. just thinking it's, it's just ridiculous that we don't, you know, have something like that. I mean, we've got, we've got these big, these big show and sale opportunities for people to go and buy breeding stock and, and exhibit, you know, their livestock on that level, like, you know, similar to the NSR or, or team purebred. Um, but, you know, in, in the sheep world, I just feel like there's, there's a need for it. A, because it get, it'll, it'll get more people excited about doing it. It's, it's a new project that maybe some people wouldn't have done otherwise. And, and B, it, it, it just makes, I don't know, just from the outside looking in, in, in places, not that I haven't been to a lot of sheep shows, but it just seems like the sheep industry gets a little clicky and there's not enough just 
conglomeration. And I mean, you talk about these these boar studs that are competitive, these, these cattle operations that are competitive. I mean, on show day they hate each other's guts, but at the end of the day, they're all working for the same thing. And I just feel like there's just so many pockets and people, you know, with the advancement we've had in, in embryo transfer and AI and all this other stuff that we're doing with breeding, why why can't we make it a, a more impactful organization to be able to show sheep on a on a national scale, you know, with shows throughout the summer and an organization mm-hmm. that promotes, you know, show and club lambs? I don't know. That's my, that's my my only my only caveat there would be is you know when you compare it to to other species and you know um, is <sighs> sheep are a bit delicate in terms of keeping them right. I mean, keeping them really right. Uh, and, you know, throughout a summer and, you know, you know, especially if you're talking maybe weathers, you know, leading up to state fair or, or whatever, um, you know, there's, you know, they're, they're a relatively delicate animal to keep them, you know, fresh and, you know, at that kind of 12 o'clock area. And, and so I think, you know, that would be the only, you know, challenge um, in terms of just versus, you know, hogs or, uh, you know, even, you know, cattle and stuff like that, where, you know, you see, I mean, you can really visibly see on lambs, especially when you get your hands into them, ones that have been shown, you know, and, and drug around and, and things like that. So that'd be my only criticism to it. But I mean, yeah, no, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there, Corey. I'm going to, I'm going to poke a hole in the hole that you just poked. It gives us an opportunity to sell more sheep because people buy That's more fair. multiple strings. That's fair. I'm trying to help you guys make more money too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh man alright Trev what we got next it's time for it topics from a hat is brought to you by Fierce Threads the only hat we use here at Stock Talk is from Fierce Threads Fierce Threads is the number one source for high quality screen printing and embroidery put your business success in the forefront and upgrade your apparel today with Fierce Threads uh, also, they're going to have some pretty awesome exclusive exposition gear at Des Moines, Iowa in the first week of June. So make sure you get your apparel at the exposition. Also, new NJSA and Team Purebred gear to go along with it. And don't forget, something new is coming. We don't know what it is. <laughs> hey, dude, their Facebook page, they just they keep posting stuff. I'm like, I just tell us already. I know. I can't I'm, wait to see I'm what it is. Yeah. So, folks, uh, the topic that we are going to bring back up is from our friend we all know here at the table as Cece. Uh, she posted, uh, I think, Corey, it was just you and I on episode 10 that we did this one. Uh, but I'm curious to see what the, the, the Marks guys want to, to know about this one. So uh, our friend Cecilia says, what's one thing that no one warned you when you first got started in the livestock industry? How much damn money you're going to spend? <laughs> fair. That's fair, but hey, Mel, I'm, I, this is why I brought it up because I thought it would be cool to. Yeah, Jordan, we really don't care about your yeah. story. That's, uh, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. So, uh, what's one thing that nobody really warned you when you first got started? Probably, probably as much as anything. It's like anything else. Um, Probably the amount of work that it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, probably that's as much as anything. Uh, if you want to be successful, um, 
you know, to be successful, whether you're breeding or whether you're showing, um, is, I mean, the, um, commitment that you got to put to it. And like I say, uh, just purely as much as anything, the time that you have to put into it. Yeah. Be successful. Well, when we were small talking before we got started here, uh, <laughs> we were kind of talking about, yeah, I don't have to do chores. I just moved to a new place and don't have a farm and it's residential and don't have to do chores anymore. It's taking out the trash and doing the dishes. And Mel says, well, that's got to be weird. <laughs> so it does. Oh, I, I, uh, it, I, I, that's, that was my answer, Corey, when you and I talked about it. Yeah, sure was. I mean, yeah, I don't really have much to elaborate on that. Pretty much is what it is. I mean, What's funny is you can even work hard and still be average Absolutely. <laughs> in, in this deal. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And that's, like I say, that's the biggest thing. I mean, whether you're breeding or whether you're showing, it's it's the commitment and the sacrifice you make. I mean, you make a heck of a sacrifice if your kids are really successful, but it's no different there again than if they're in um, any other type of sport uh, in school. Um, yeah. You make a heck of a sacrifice, and that's what you got to do. But I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, yeah, on the whole deal. Well, and and, and uh, I I saw that question there, and, and kind of began to think about it a little bit. And uh, uh, there's a you know family that uh, kind of started helping a few years back here, and uh, um, you know I remember the first time I went out there um, with a, a fellow breeder that had uh, purchased a ram from us. Uh, uh, good old Gary Flippo, if he if he's listening to this, uh, we were checking out some lambs that uh, he had gotten out of out of uh, a ram that he'd purchased from us, and uh, uh, went out to uh, this Reichert family that we help now. And uh, you know, I things were so very new to them at that time. They did none of them grew up on a livestock background, and you know, it. Uh, anyways, without getting too far into it, it's just funny how you know uh, the girls really wanted to do this and it's something they're really supportive family and they want to make sure that their kids have all the opportunities in the world. And, you know, I, I think they may look at me with, uh, um, uh, you know, some positivity, but also like, what in the hell did you do to us? You know, <laughs> uh, just because, um, you know, I, I try looking at it from their lens of, you know, just how, how, I mean, just everything that's involved with it, um, how, how much it, you know, this little project of going to the, you know, county fair and, you know, just whatever to, you know, let's, you know, let's try to play some ball over in Columbus and, and, and stuff like that. And, and just trying to maximize, you know, their, their kids, uh, opportunity with it and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, that'd be a fun question to ask them. Cause you know, like, um, you know, what, uh, you know, just how much, I guess, I mean, we already covered it, but just how much is involved <laughs> with, with, you know, just, general success in, you know, in this industry and, and just, uh, the, the time and the work and the, you know, the, the hours spent and the, the, the highs and the lows. I mean, oh, yeah. you can't explain that to somebody. I can, I could add something to, uh, maybe just specific to sheep that nobody really warned us about is that sheep will die for zero reason. <laughs> yeah. We found that out this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally just, they'll just die, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I got to add there. <laughs> that's um, very true. <laughs> Although I live on a pig farm, and I can assure you, those things, <laughs> those things will find reasons to die just as well. Delicate lungs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I think goats are probably worse, but we won't get into that. Yeah, well, let's, let's um, not go down that road. Yeah. So, um, 
big big topic of discussion next year, and it's something that uh, we've all kind of talked, you know, off mic before in in previous visits. So I want to kind of condense it a little bit, uh, just because I know that we could, <laughs> we could talk about this forever because it's new and it's it's interesting. Um, but you know. Mel, I know that that you guys have kind of seen some of this at your place, and and you've done some, you've had some conversations with folks all over the country about this. So, um, I want to I want to talk about the quote unquote dwarf gene. Um, you know, I want you you probably could explain it better than me. You know, what is it? Uh, you know, what do you know about research that's been done and and uh, things of that nature? Well, the big thing about it is we know for sure. Um, Regardless, and I think the Hereford people found this out, you can't keep it going on with something that is going to drill you into the ground eventually. And the more that you concentrate it um, and line it up, it's going to only get worse. I've seen this with the spider gene. um, And, you know, I went through the deal of uh, that back in the probably mid-90s, early 90s. um, Mm -hmm. and, And, you know... There was at first when it first came out, it was like, well, you got to have that in them to make the great ones. Uh, yeah, that's fine, dandy, but it's going to eventually catch up with you, and you're going to have a bunch of lambs in the barn, which a lot of people did at that time that um, you had to get rid of, and they weren't even good stockyards lambs, and a lot of them didn't even make it that far. So, you know, Oklahoma State University came up with the test. Um, We were, if they weren't, uh, we were working with Western Kentucky uh, on um, possibly getting a test out of there. But something had to be done because, uh, like I say, um, if you have it on both sides, you're going to probably get it in some dimension. Um, So... It's not going to be hard to work out of. You don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, it's no different than what we went through with the spider gene. Um, you got to test your ewes. You got to test your rams. Um, you got to make sure where you're at. And, um, you know, if you breed a clean back to what I'm going to call a dirty or a positive, um, you got a 50-50 chance you're going to get a clean one out of that deal. It's not going to carry the dwarf gene. And that's the way we have to work out of it. Uh, some people I know, like I say, been through this with the spider deal. They've got rams or ewes that that uh, are positive, and they've got a lot of money tied into them. And they don't. Some of them don't want to hear this right now. And it's I. It's the same story, you know. Well, we got to have this if we're going to have muscle, and no, you don't. Uh, we may have to change these sheep a little bit phenotypically because they do look different. Uh, the ones that are not carrying the dwarf gene, yes, they do look a little different um, than what the ones that are positive on it. But we can work out of it. We're still going to have a lot of muscle. Um, They're just not maybe going to be in that same square box look like we was used to. Um, So their goal was to breed this gene to just purely moderate them, to get them smaller? Well, yeah, I think when it first came out and people seen it, um, there was one uh, particular breeder uh, that, that had some of this going on, and they brought a lot of money at first. They really did because, you know, they... 
the sheep people, for some reason, felt that they wanted to raise little show steers and some of those sheep that were came, coming out. Uh, and like I say, I've seen the same thing happen with the spider deal. And uh, they came out and they were, you know, they were square, little big-footed, big-boned, uh, big rack, big loin, but they weren't very big. And we went to this smaller look and they fit the they fit the deal pretty good so they could breed those rams back to at that time most of the ewes were probably exempt from the dwarf gene and they got uh-huh. a positive what they thought was that type of look um but you still like I say there's rams out there right now today that uh, still they're square and they're big footed and they're big boned and they're hairy legged and they're you know, big rack and big loin, um, and they're clean. Now, there's not probably going to be a lot of them, but they are clean. And it's going to take a little time to kind of work out of this. The only advantage we had with the spider gene over probably what we have today is we were working with two breeds. We were working with suffix and we were working with hamps. Suffix are gone. And uh, so now we've got a handful of genetics which we are very small in our genetic pool in this country. And uh, we got a handful of genetics that we are working with, but there are some clean lines in there, and we can work back out of this. Um, and like I say, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't need to hyperventilate about the deal. You just need to be smart about it, have your U-flock tested. Um, it costs about $13 per head to do this. Uh, well worth it. And then you know where you're at, and... Um, we can we can work back out of this, but you got to just use your head and be smart about it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people were were worried about it, and you kind of hinted at this a little bit. Is you know, people that got a bunch of money wrapped up in one that may be positive or a carrier, you know they they don't want to believe that it's going to be a problem, and and, and it won't be a, a big issue if we no. if we just are educated and know about it. Yeah, and, and you just, you know, you do what you got to do. And, and if you want to keep breeding and, and thinking that those things are going to be fine, then, you know, that's on you, I guess. But, you know, well, if we could it, be- it, but here's the deal. Uh, you know, we're, we're back in numbers on our U flock. And the reason we're back in numbers is because today, right now, uh, and it doesn't matter if you're raising hogs or, or sheep or, or cattle or whatever, uh, quality is everything. And uh, so there's a lot of smaller flocks around here in the country from East Coast to West Coast, and they got 25, 30, 35 head of ewes. Well, uh, and, and AI is really popular today, and I get that. They're not having to go out and spend 10, 15, 20, 25, $30,000 on a ram. And they can use at least maybe consistent genetics that they can um, probably count on maybe getting helping them out as far as quality of their lamb crop. But the problem is if you turn around and you're spending $250, $300 or $6,000 on a jump from a ram uh, to breed those ewes and you get uh, 10%, 15% of lambs that you can't do anything with, um, that is not good for these, especially it's bad enough for the bigger flocks, but it's really bad for these smaller guys that right. are sitting there going, cripe, you know, I got all this money invested 
and these things I can't even hardly take to the damn stockyards. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's know, and and so you know you can't keep perpetuating that on. It's it's just a no win situation. That kind of goes back to what we talked about before. I think we need to embrace this. Uh, people that poo poo this. Uh, they're kidding themselves. We need to embrace it. We need to manage it. We need to take care of it ourselves. So at the end of the day, we come out with a better product and we can move on from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I love your poo poo term. <laughs> don't poo poo the dwarf gene people. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's the way it is. I mean, and so, you know, I, I'm glad they came out with it. Uh, I've been, uh, we had some this year and, all of them except one was definitely out of AI deal. And we also got some really good, we got some awful, really good individuals that I'm sure, you know, we're going to have to test them, but we'll test them and we'll see where they're at and we'll manage it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but I know for a fact that if we don't address this and we keep it going on with it and we put it in the closet, it's going to come back and bite us in the butt real bad. And we can't afford that. Uh, we can't afford that in this industry. It's kind of like you said before there, and I don't want to jump back to what you was talking about on the shows. I'm a big proponent in trying to, you know, I would love to see a more of a national type uh, intermingling uh, with the states on, on showing. And we have a great opportunity out here. And I'm talking about that with all the species. We've got a lot of we probably got the most dumbest bunch of people out there on feeding, but we got a lot of people out there that want to succeed and mm-hmm. they want to make this thing work. They like what it's doing. The reason they like what it's doing is because uh, they have a situation now to where mom and dad and the kids can all go out. I mean, I see this even on the county fair end. <laughs> you go to most of these county fairs and you see all these big campers and stuff. This is a big week for these people. Yep. This yeah. is time for them to spend with the family and they'd rather spend it like that. And God knows what they're investing in it, but they would rather do that than have other issues with the family down the road. I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we got a great opportunity out here. We just have to cultivate. And this is just one good place here right now to where we don't need a bunch of daggone, whether it's pigs or lambs or goats or whatever. We don't need projects that they pay $1,200, you know, $2,000 for and get it home and the damn thing don't grow. Yeah. We don't yep. need that crap. <laughs> we, got, we got to be more honest with people on this stuff and we got to take care of it ourselves as breeders. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, the, the livestock you bring home, where do you kind of see the, the sheep industry as far as the pendulum of trends and, and how do people breed to make them better for, say, even next year? I, I think probably what you're going to see here in the next several years, I really do. And a little bit's got to do just what I got done talking about phenotypically on changing these sheep a little bit, but it's going to be probably for the better. We got some of these sheep to where we took all the hip length out of them we took all the pin width out of them we wanted to get more lower butt in them and we shortened up that hip we was running into issues um and you guys went through with the pigs still are oh, yeah, i mean you definitely. know you know i mean for a guy my age to, to have a vet to come out and do a c-section is a bunch of crap but <laughs> I, I get that i get that but i do i i can start seeing this you know, changing at the national end, I can see, and it's a, it's an evolution. Uh, but 
I think you're seeing judges now that want a little bit bigger outline lamb, something that is longer than tall, something that is longer. Right now, the big thing is, and I hadn't heard it for a long time, man, you know, I'd like to see more length of hip out there. I want to see more pin width out there. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're going to get those hips looking better. I think we're going to have lambs that probably we're going to be a little bit more critical. Thank God on, uh, and which I've heard this in the last couple of years, people are getting way more critical on outside shoulder, not having as much width out through that front end. You know, for a while we just wanted them, you know, really scary looking and we wanted them opened up and we didn't care how much blade they had. We didn't care if that blade really moved up in the top of that shoulder and stuff. We want them a little cleaner up through there. We want them a little tighter up through there. We want that uh, we want them to move out. We don't want we want to we want to see a little bit more length of body, but we also don't want that spine to pop up in the air. We want them a little bit more level. I think that's we're going to go for a little bit more look. We're still going to keep the muscle in them. Nobody needs to get excited about that, but. Uh, I think we're going to have a little bit more look. It's no different than anything else. I mean, you know, you guys with the hogs, you want them long up through that front. Oh, yeah. You want more look out through there. You want yep. it's a damn show, guys. I mean, it was a show 30 years ago and it's still a show today. Yep. It's a beauty contest. <laughs> and, you know, we want them to look at the end of the day. If yep. you're judging a show, you don't want to dag. You want something that looks good. Yep. You want something that's going to take a good picture. And I think that's kind of where we're going back in the sheep deal because, we had we went through that time and period, and with social media and stuff the way it is today, it gets out right away. Well, what did you pick that daggone slug for? You know, I mean, <laughs> they want animals to look. That's what always kills me about Louisville. I don't care who you get to judge down there. You can get a Texas judge down there. Or you can get a judge from Illinois, and they want that's a big ring down there. They want you know they want more length of body. They want an animal that looks apart. Uh, that's going to take a really good picture. So I guess not to ramble on, but I think that's where we're going to kind of go. I think we're going to kind of go back into more looks, still keep that bone in them, still keep, try to keep them functional and structural soundness in them, but, and keep the muscle in them. But I just think more look and more length out, you know, as we used to call from the 13th rib back. Yeah. And that's fascinating. I mean, you said that cause it is, it is going across all species. Yeah, it is. Every, everything's gotta be good looking. And obviously now out with your flock here, uh, just moments ago with Jordan, I was like, look, these things are all sexy. Like yeah. they all look really yeah. good. And now, yeah. you know, when we were on the Ohio state judging team together and we went to, to different workouts, there was a set of them that were linebackers that were yeah. short, moderate, round and muscly. Then you had the set that were, you know, I'm different, different flocks, I'm saying, and you, there was separation, but now they all have to be that good looking and sound and functional. But uh, Jordan, what's your young breeders take on, on where we're at, where we're going? No, I'd agree. I mean, you know, I think we've got to make sheep and, and I think we're doing a better job of that. Uh, you know, dad and I have spent a lot of time talking about it and, you know, obviously, you know, you, you know, we're seeing both sides of it on the feed end and on the, you know, on the raising side of things and you know and that's where you know, we kind of blend the two and in terms of placing some sheep and stuff like that just to stay sharp on that right um you know we gotta have feed that or that we gotta have sheep that feed um you know we you know we gotta have sheep that have natural muscle to them um and you know and that you know they're i i think i think we've focused a little bit too much on having them 
that they're just crazy wild looking right out of the jug and at about eight weeks old. And then we really don't care necessarily what happens to them after that point, because we already got our $3,000 check for them. And, you know, yeah, winners are great and stuff like that, but I need to sell sheep and I need to, you know, bring my investment back. Well, I totally get that. We feel it, (laughs) certainly feel it. But, you know, I think we need to really focus on, you know, two having sheep that have the longevity Mm -hmm. to, you know, only get better once they, uh, once they leave, once they leave the farm and, you know, they're going to have plenty of natural top, plenty of natural spread, uh, you know, good for muscle touch, thin hides, um, you know, not be impossible for a young or inexperienced showman to get looking right. Uh, you know, have all the bells and whistles in terms of bone and fuzz and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, just to tie into what dad said there, I think that's, you know, that, and that's where we've never tried to steer away from. And, you know, we've maybe, you know, been up and down in terms of visibility over the last few years, but we've just really been trying to work on something that, you know, we can feel confident, confident in, uh, you know, going ahead into the future. So, um, you know, that's, that's my big thing is, you know, you see too many of these sheep, um, you know, we get, I, between dad and I, we get in a lot of, a lot of head of sheep, you know, in the springtime and we see a lot of, a lot of animals and, you know, there's so many that you see bring so much money and, um, mm-hmm. and they, you know, you just wonder what the hell happened to them about August because they never showed up yep. after that. Oh and, yeah. That, and, and again, it's all species. You see the high dollar ones that sell and you're like, well, that one didn't make it. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean, I just think we need to continue focusing on, you know, breeding sheep or livestock in general that, you know, uh, are only going to have, you know, a positive impact on that exhibitor uh, right after they after they write the check you know after they you know spend that money and, and get them home yeah um, so well Corey, i stuck you with the last question sure did sure <laughs> did uh so i guess we're piggybacking off a conversation a little bit which is nice uh because you've already got your mind thinking this way but um again just for all of our listeners we asked this question we have been now geez for the last probably 16, 17 episodes now um, to all of our guests. And and you can make this as as simple as you want, or we can get, we can get complex because it is a complex industry that we're in. Um, So Mel, Jordan, where do you see the show stock industry in five years? Probably where I see it. I see it extremely strong. Uh, I think we got a lot of people out there that, uh, probably are wanting it it's kind of like i don't want to rehash all the stuff we've talked about here but i think that we uh have a lot of enthusiasm my biggest concern to be honest with you as much as anything i hope that we have breeders that are able to carry it on and keep bringing good show livestock out there because i'm not seeing um, some be- breeders being progressive enough. Um, and I hope that we don't, uh, get into a situation to where we don't have a product out there that, uh, can meet the demand of what we have out there as far as people that want to show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> no, I, uh, I, I would agree with that. Um, <coughs> you know, I think, I think it's, I think it's as strong as we're going to let it be. You know, I, I think, uh, I think it's a, 
I mean, it's been a great experience for me. Uh, it's been, you know, kind of what my whole life and, and what our family has, uh, you know, it's, it's provided a living for, for, you know, our family through the years and, um, you know, hopefully we'll continue. Um, you know, I think, um, I have a chance to be, you know, I'm on some boards and I'm on, you know, I work with kids, you know, every day and, and, um, gosh, it's, it's just so much fun for me. Uh, I love just spending time with, with, I mean, some of the families that, you know, and, and the kids that you get to meet are just, I mean, they're second to none. They're just great kids. They're great families, they're great people. And, um, you know, I know, you know, I just had a, a, a little sliver of them that I work with. And, and so uh, I know there's, hundreds, maybe thousands more families out there that are, that are just the same way. And, you know, they just love doing it and they love spending time with their kids and they're, you know, you know they're just out there to try to, you know, you know, win a banner and win, uh, you know, do a little winning and have some fun along the way. And that's, you know, I, I can't see this thing only going up. You know, there is one thing that concerns me and, you know, I got, I guess I got to be a little careful, uh, toeing the line as a breeder, but, uh, you know, I'm also placing sheep and it, uh, what these things cost is, is, uh, uh, you know, on the sheep side, I mean, I, you know, I pay attention to every species and, and, uh, uh, you know, what these things cost right out the gate. Uh, it's, it's a little scary to, you know, to try to have families that want to be playing ball, at, you know, at a high level, uh, and then trying to find the right kind of prospects for them. Um, and, you know, even on our own side, you know, to try to, you know, make some money, but also not gouge anybody. Uh, it's, it's tough. And, and, and that's the only thing that I can see. And, you know, obviously uh, I've heard other guests on here and, and I completely agree with them. Um, you know, the money hasn't slowed anybody down and it's maybe, you know, picking things up, but gosh, I, it, it still is just, it, it's a little frustrating too. I, I think, I think the money's going to stay there, there again. It goes back to kind of what I said before. That's what I meant about this whole thing. We've got to do everything we can, um, rather what species you're raising, you know, everybody's got a top end, uh, in what they do every year. But the thing about it is I see a lot of that top end and it sells for a lot of money and where probably people get a little disheartened and that, and like I say, I deal with it all the time with the feed in and I see it is you can't guarantee how something's going to turn out. You can't do that. But on the same token, I think that we need to be probably, I hope that we as breeders, the ones that we do sell off in that middle stage, because, you know, the thing about it is there's one thing I learned about uh, as much as anything with whether you're selling feed or, or show livestock, it's not your jocks and it's not your people that's spending the most money with you on the top end that makes this thing go around. It's your, it's still your Johnny 4-H'ers. It's uh-huh. the people every day that go out there and they spend that medium price. And if that medium price is $1,000 a head, people can live with that. But they also, if they do everything what they feel is right, and they do a good job, and they got a piece of junk come the county fair, forget about a state fair or national show, uh, they get a bitter taste in their mouth. And those we yeah. need those thousand dollar, fifteen hundred dollars, twelve hundred, eight hundred dollar people. We need them. They buy a lot of feed. They buy a lot of livestock. They buy that middle set that your top end people are not going to buy. And when when it's all said and done. 
those are the ones that still make the merry-go-round go round. Yep. And, and so we've got, that's what I'm saying. I hope that we can raise, keep raising good livestock um, and, and have some depth in these herds and flocks that these people still can get a good quality product there, do well, you know, if that's what they have, is that that's what their expectations are as a county fair, do well there mm-hmm. and, and come back next year and say, Hey, we had a great time and that sort of thing. But that's the part that concerns me. And I hope that, that we are able to do this um, on a consistent basis. And I, and that's the biggest thing that'll be the stub in the toe if we can't, because that's, that'll be the thing that hurts us because I think the enthusiasm and the and the organizations there are like what Jordan talked about here with the with the club lamb deal here in Ohio and the and and what's going in the, on in the pig deal and the goat deal. These people are enthused. They want to mm-hmm. do it. They want to do it. They they're excited about it. Let's just try to keep a keeping a quality product out there that they can still have a good time because this this it's entertainment livestock today, guys. Yeah. That's what it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and we got to keep it fun. And we got to keep it moving ahead in that dimension. So that's the only thing that concerns me. If that happens and that keeps it going, I can't see anything but the, you know, the moon's the, the top end on that deal. Yeah. Well, this has been an incredible conversation, a little longer, but, uh, you know, when, when you get conversation like this, you let it rip. And uh, we appreciate uh, you guys jumping on here. And you guys have been awesome friends to me. I feel like part of the family every time I come on the farm here. So, uh, Jordan and Mel, thanks for for jumping on the mic with us. And uh, we appreciate all your thoughts and insights of uh, sharing us here on Stock Talk. Uh, we appreciate you uh, asking us and, uh, and having us here. And, uh, um, you know, been enjoying it ever since you guys started and been uh, been supporters of it from the get-go and so glad this thing's taken off for you and uh, uh you know feel fortunate to call both of you guys uh you know really close friends so um you know appreciate you guys having us on yeah i really enjoyed this yeah we we definitely appreciate you both uh appreciate our friendship and and uh drinking beer together and hanging out and i will say <laughs> for those that are listening that are in the area if you ever drive by Mark's Genetics there in Ohio, stop by and have Jordan cook you a steak because it is <laughs> That's what I'm waiting on. <laughs> oh, man, he does. Yeah, it's one of the best homemade steaks I've ever had. Uh, so, folks listening, we still love to hear from you guys because, obviously, without you, Trevor and I are just talking to ourselves and whoever we have on the show. So, uh, if, you've got, <laughs> if you got ideas for future episodes, uh, you want to become a sponsor, know people that want to uh, be involved and get advertising and, and kind of our stamp uh, of, of marketing, uh, we'd be happy to do so. Uh, keep following along, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. We are getting more active with that. If you have not seen, uh, if you did not see our Snapchat story, of the truck that ran into the wall of uh, that restaurant. <laughs> so add us on snap. Uh, we'll be at the, we'll be at the exposition. It's coming up fast. We're super excited for everything we've got going on there. Uh, keep up to date with us. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And Trevor, we'll send you home. You betcha guys. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for so much. And this has been another edition of stock talk.